When the magic happens, Bob. Yeah. How are my levels? Good? Your levels are good. We're my, just going. My levels are not good, though. I need... Check two. I need One, two. To hang from the ceiling. Yeah. Why are you holding it like a, a gangster holds a gun, like sideways? Why are you holding your microphone like that? It's my gat. It's my gat. You know what I was watching the other day? What were you watching? I was watching CSI. CSI. CSI is fantastic for criminal attorneys. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to What Are Your Rights with George Children. And children. Well, children listen to it. No, I don't know about that. Welcome to, be. to What Are Your Rights with George Dierig, Bob Mortland. We, uh, we can be found at bobmortland.com or eastbayattorney.com. Is that right? Eastbayattorney.com? I never go there. I'm eating, and you should always go there. I, I should. I should go there more, bring, bring some more uh, traffic to your site. Today, we're going to talk about CSI and you know law and order. Um, special Victims Unit. Uh, the media's effect on the criminal justice system. Yes. Since about 2002, the media has been disseminating some serious concerns for the integrity of the criminal trial. Um, the, the criminal trial, some people are saying, is being compromised by the effects of television drama. It's probably been even longer than the, that. I mean, I remember when I was in high school and the O.J. Simpson trial was going on and all this information being thrown my way about DNA and um, testimony and race. Well, CSI uh, first appeared on CBS television network on October 6th, 2000. So since at least 2000 and even before then, there's there was other television shows and dramas and you know, different forensic files and type shows that are showing this so-called CSI effect. CSI is a you know, stands for Crime Scene Investigation. It's an American television drama. Um, it shows that there are police detectives and forensic scientists, and the plot's driven by, you know, forensic science it's rather than It's driven by forensic reality. science and science fiction. Yeah, ra- rather than reality. So CSI is a show that tries to make the criminal justice system look sexy. Um or, you know, whatever other term you want to make it. But it makes it interesting, makes it to where people actually want to watch it. Uh, it's really an exaggerated portrayal of, of forensic science because forensic science is not what CSI portrays it to be. A lot of people watch CSI and they think, oh, this is exactly how the criminal justice system works. And, you know, in talking about the CSI effect, I think right now, parents, if your kids are in the room, we're going to put a parental advisory on this. With forensic evidence, there's going to be a lot of um, talk about, I think, sex offenses, and I, I, I would prefer children under the age of 13, preferably children under the age of 18, not listen to the show, because we're going to be talking about some adult-themed um, issues here, and I, I just don't think it would be appropriate. What do you think, Bob? Do you concur with that? Well, I don't want to talk too much about the in-depths of 
sexually violent predators or anything like that. Um, I, I do. There's a lot of evidence on CSI, though, that is it's very adult in nature. Yeah, I do think that, that children maybe shouldn't listen to this particular podcast. They should listen to the last 10 or 11 we've done, just not this one. Nope. Not without a parent present who's comfortable enough to answer questions. So the the CSI effect has been widely documented and widely looked at. Oh, in, I love it. In fact, there's uh, plenty of law review articles from Stanford, Yale, a couple of other... We don't care about Stanford since I went to Berkeley, so... A couple of other law review articles that are that are out there. We'll do a know, shout out, though. Documenting... Basically, the CSI what, effect... What it is. Let me just explain it in layman's terms. CSI effect is when a jury requests more evidence than is really useful than is capable i mean the jurors get confused because because of these portrayals of forensic science on television when the actual capabilities of forensic science are nowhere near the level that csi and these type of shows show to for some for evidence to come in for scientific evidence to come in to california court it's got to pass something called the daubert standard and that's a standard it's a very high standard of reliability before evidence can be brought in there are a lot of things that pass that test. There's DNA, DNA. There is forensic toxicology with uh, alcohol. There's blood tests. There's fingerprint evidence. Um, I mean, the list goes on and on. There's autopsy, uh, investigation evidence. But the one that's the one that's stuck in my mind the most is surveillance videos. And right. I've seen CSI and Law and Order take a surveillance video and say, oh, we need to find out what they have on their shirt because you know, that guy works at an auto shop and he's got his uniform on. Let's zoom uh, in yeah. and clear it up and clean yeah. it and they can see perfectly. I watched a show. This wasn't CSI, but I've been watching Breaking Bad. And there's, there's an episode where a detective went to an ATM machine and he got the video from the ATM machine and he, and he was able to identify a camper that was probably 50 feet away from it and identify the driver's license. No, not the not the license number, but he was able to break the case. That doesn't usually happen. No, it doesn't at all. As a criminal defense attorney, I like CSI. We love the CSI effect. CSI is fantastic because where there's cases lacking of you know forensic evidence, juries in the past would have convicted. However, with the CSI franchises... Juries are now acquitting because they want that evidence. They want more. A lot of times in the voir dire process at trial, which is jury selection. The DA the, is going to talk about it. Yeah, the DA will bring that up, especially if there's a video involved, if there's fingerprints, if there's you know clothing that they did a DNA analysis on to look at you know the DNA, whether the loci is proper, things like that. And They'll ask you on the jury panel, have you ever watched CSI? Do you want that type of evidence in our case? Um, no. The, I don't watch CSI because I just don't like David Cruz. So. No? I don't watch it because it's just wrong. It's flat wrong, irrelevant, and not true. Um, you can't do those types of things. And switching from CSI to Law & Order, Law & Order is another one of these shows that portrays the criminal justice system in a manner that is completely inconsistent with reality. Law and Order, and I saw—I just saw an episode of Special Victims Unit with uh, Gangster Ice T. Is that his name or Ice Q? Whatever his name is. Oh, it's Ice T. Is it Ice T? I don't—I don't, I don't hey, your know. Your ice is got to get my ice is correct. Correct. But Ice T, who uh, I don't know what he's doing in Law and Order. 
But hey, some trivia. In the Law and Order movie, I think back in the 1990s, Ice-T played a drug lord that was killed in the made-for-TV movie. Then I think three or four years later, Law and Order SVU started up, and he's, he actually replaces one other African-American character who was fired for sleeping with a suspect huh. in the last episode. The only reason I know that is because my wife loves Law and Order SVU. Do-do-do-do. The more you know. Dun, dun. <laughs> so, Which I don't. With Law & Order, you know, I just recently saw an episode where they're worried about this guy who is a sex trafficker and is killing women after they have babies and a bunch of weird things are happening. But the most shocking part I saw is a judge... That was the most shocking part? No, no. The most shocking part I saw was a judge was asking the... The uh, defendant in this case to lie on the stand, but do an in-camera hearing where he tells the truth. And his defense attorney is a completely different defense attorney in the in-camera section than in the trial. And it was this muddled confusion that I've never seen that. Never, never would happen. Never. It's not possible to do an in-camera hearing where you tell the truth, and that's what we'll use. But when we do the actual trial, no, nah, it doesn't count. It that's the law. There's a CSI effect with evidence, and there's this law and order effect. This whole episode is just about the media and how it really affects the criminal justice system. Yes. Can I go on a rant for just a little bit? Rant. Let's do it. Law and order, great entertainment, okay? It's entertainment. My wife loves SVU. It's usually sexually violent, um, sexually or violent um, cases. So is it like sex offenses, then uh, cases against children, special victims unit. Um, she loves it. I don't. Does she like CSI Miami? She doesn't want... No, she just likes Lawn Order SVU. And the reason she does, because there's one character on it, um, I forget his name, he's the psychologist, who I actually really like. What is his name? BD... I think his name is BD Wong. uh, I actually like that character, because everything he says is actually pretty darn good. But in Law and Order, even though it's in the state of New York, it's always the same criminal defense attorney. And he just... They portray him as the type of person that wants the world to burn and every rapist to be acquitted. And they portray him as some bourgeois anarchist. I can't believe I said that. Um, He's short. He's angry. And I'll just tell you this. We're not anarchists. And we're not all angry. We're not all short. short. I am short. I am too. I didn't want to admit but it. It's you just, can't see us, so I like to pretend I'm, I'm not And sure. Law & Order, they... I would say almost 100% of the cases go to trial. Okay. Uh, 96% or 97% of all cases yeah, are... Closer to 99. ...plea bargained. Yeah. Okay. They're resolved before trial. Either dismissed or resolved for a lesser charge. Rarely do they go to trial. And when they go to trial, it's just so funny. In Law & Order... You see these trials, they wrap up in like an episode. And these these trials, um, they, they could last months and months. It could take years and years to go to trial on these types of cases. Murder. Um, Not in law and order. Child molest, kidnapping, rape. Um, all these things. It, it's, it's just amazing how they just wrap up in one day. It takes months, if not years. I've seen murder cases not go to a jury trial for three years. And they always have a surprise witness at the end, I, I seem to see. There's always like a, oh, and we have a nail in the coffin that we're going to bring out. Surprises are rare. And when a surprise happens, usually cases are, usually it's a mistrial. 
Yeah, there's no surprises in trial. You know what's going to happen. You know what's going to be said. There are some Sometimes. surprises, but it's more like, I can't believe he said that, but, you know, it's not like, oh, we have a surprise witness. It's the victim. Yeah. supposed to die. You know, that, that doesn't happen. So, you know, CSI, I'm, I'm looking at some stats right here. CSI was the number one show in 2002. Number one. Wow. 2008, it was number four for just uh, regular CSI. Number 14 for CSI Miami. And New York was number 16. The more you know. Um, but this whole, this whole idea of the CSI effect has really become part of, part of American oh. pop culture. And it, it was the term CSI effect was actually even in a Time magazine article. Uh, I, I don't know what more to say about CSI than it's great for defense attorneys, horrible for... I had a prosecutors at a jury trial once where the client had a tattooed head. He had a shaved head and he tattooed it. And the crime was pretty much videotaped. And he left incriminating evidence of himself at the crime scene. And there, uh, there wasn't really eyewitness identification, but it was. He, he stole a trailer, and he was on videotape the day before, casing the joint and. The day after he stole it, he was spotted by the owner by, because he drove by the place he stole it from. Not a good allegedly, idea. Allegedly. Allegedly stole from. So they, they go and they follow him, and he goes on a high-speed chase uh, trying to get away from these people. He parks in a very remote location, gets out of his car. Unbeknownst to him, the police were called, and so they show up pretty shortly afterwards. Now, we went to trial, and he was found not guilty. I don't know how. I, well, I do know how. I represented him. Thank you. But it's... You know, the whole argument was... My, my whole argument was, yeah, all that's true, but it's not enough to convict him of stealing this. My point is, speaking of the jury afterwards, and they said um, they wanted to know about his polygraph test. Hmm. They actually asked. They said, why didn't they bring in a polygraph test? I never mentioned a polygraph. I know better than to do that. But the jury was so taken aback that a polygraph was not admitted into evidence of whether or not he... I, I guess sometimes... I mean, in watching CSI, you think, well, they're always going to take a lie detector test, and that's going to be in evidence. We mentioned this in our, in our last podcast, the question and answer, um, episode two of that, about how a polygraph never comes in. But, you know... That's because me and Bob have been trained up, and we understand what's going to come and what's not. But in the CSI effect, jurors are going to think everything's coming in. I watched a CSI episode where they timed the time of death by looking at the wound of a victim and seeing when the mosquito hatchlings or eggs were hatched or something. It's some like really weird and wan- random thing that would never be admitted into evidence because it's just not doesn't pass Daubert. Yeah, I had a family member ask me recently with I guess they were watching CSI. I don't really know why they had this question, but they asked me they said, you know, if someone's stabbed can't you tell if the knife was serrated or if it was a, you know, how long the knife was how big the knife was? No. Typically not. I mean, you can tell how big the knife was in some situations but a knife stab is a knife stab. Sometimes you can tell if it's serrated, but there's no... It's not possible that you can 
tell what exactly the stab was caused by. Um, you know, you know it's, it's like, a knife. You don't know the exact size, shape. Like There's watch, a, a ever, lot of variables. You ever watch Dexter? I watched a couple episodes. Uh, of Dexter. I love the couple. show. I love it. It's love all right. It. Yeah. Uh, he's a blood splatter expert. I've never even heard of that. But they, what, what his fictional job is, is he goes to a crime scene and he sees how the, what happened as the crime went down, and hmm. by just by the blood splatter, and it's it's junk science. They would never. Yeah, but the creator of the CSI franchise, uh, Anthony Zucchier, I think is how his name is pronounced, and he's probably going to listen to this and be mad at me for saying his name wrong. I apologize, Zucchi? Anthony. But he, he has said several times that, and I quote, all of the science is accurate, end quote, on the shows. Unfortunately, uh, you know, several researchers have described the you know, portrayal of this sciences as a high-tech magic. Um, in fact, a forensic scientist by the name of Thomas Mariello estimated that 40% of the scientific techniques depicted on CSI don't even exist. And Yes, hence the science fiction. Yes, it, it's not accurate, even though the creator of CSI, he probably had good intentions when he started the show in 2000. Twelve years later, it's blown up to the point where it's, there's no possible is, way they can do the things they say they I'm can do. This from Wikipedia. In 2000, CSI was debuted, and the percentage of rape cases in the United States solved by police was 46.9. By 2005, the solve rate had fallen to 41.3. Huh. That's I don't know how the CSI affects that. Think about it. Well, yeah. I just don't. And the CSI effect, a lot of people will claim that that doesn't exist. It's not real. It's definitely real. There have been plenty of scholars, plenty of high-up, prosecutors. In fact, the Maricopa County attorney, the presiding prosecutor in you know Phoenix, Arizona, had declared that CSI does have a, quote, real-life impact on justice, end quote. And he has called on CBS to insert a disclaimer on the program stating that it is, in fact, fiction. So, you know, in addition to the concerns about integrity of the jury system, other prosecutors pro- are claiming that CSI has altered the criminal trial, you know, the standard of proof. They, they think that the beyond a reasonable doubt standard is even more severe than it used to be. There, no, I mean, you know, prosecutors think it's it's been pushed back. Here's what. Here's why I, I can appreciate the, the this effect. It pretty much tells jurors. It, it, I, I think it makes jurors hold the district attorneys accountable. Um, a lot of times, their own expert witnesses will come in and they don't testify well, or whatever they're testifying to has a margin of error that jurors just can't accept. And what do you do? Do you accept bad evidence and then just convict someone? Or do you hold them to a high standard? Burn, burn of proof in criminal law, beyond a reasonable doubt, is a high standard. It's, it's a very high standard. But there's also legal scholars that say the other way around because the forensic you know, television programming... Usually there there's convictions in a lot of them. Sure. They find out who did it at the end, and yeah, someone goes to jail. In a lot of them, not all yeah. of them. Sometimes they, you know, the person gets free, and that's the happy ending of the story. But there are legal scholars that have noted that even if the media influences the jury, it doesn't necessarily translate into changed verdicts. Right. In fact, it might translate into more guilty verdicts because people watch that and they think, oh, we need justice. We need to 
get these people behind right. bars. It's a two-edged sword. So it is a double-edged sword. It's, you know, we're still at this point where we're not sure what CSI is doing to the trial. I think it helps us. Uh, I, I have had people, you know, just as in your case, they've at the end of a trial acquitted based on the fact that the evidence wasn't strong enough. So maybe that's good, and it's putting more pressure on the police, the investigators, and the prosecutor to do their job. Don't right. put a shoddy case in front of us. Right. Get the best you can, the best equipment, the best specialists. It's really, and I may have said this before, it is, in our justice system, it's better to let 100 guilty people go free than convict one innocent person. You think so? Yeah. I think so, too. One Supreme Court justice said that. I forget who it was. You know, another thing that, that bothers me about CSI and these type of shows is what their their people, I don't know if they're attorneys or if they're investigators or, dis, you know, whatever it is, whoever they are, I think they're termed investigators. But these people on the show, they go out and they do raids, they do... Um, investigation they then go into trial that's not true no district attorney goes out into the scene and you know actually inspects the crime scene itself yeah i've never seen that there, there's only one usually if there's a district attorney that only handles homicides in their in certain homicide units they could get woken up to go to a crime scene i've just never seen it yeah I, not a single case have i seen where a district attorney has actually gone out to a crime scene I've heard of district attorneys going on ride-alongs. and I've gone, gone on ride-alongs. I've gone on a ride-along a long time ago. I don't think I would do it now. Uh, I just wouldn't want to be around police but that long. CSI makes you believe that there's semen on everything. <laughs> That's why I say, I mean, in rape cases, it's like, oh, well, there, there it is. We found it. There's the smoking gun. Well, there's always a smoking gun, it seems, in CSI. Right. They, they always... It's usually... In the last five minutes. In the form of, yeah, oh, well, we found... And he's a, his match, his blood matched the semen on everywhere. It, it, that's what... It just blows me away. And it's on literally everything in the show. It's disgusting. Yeah. Well, what about... You know, we've, we've talked about CSI. We've talked about Law & Order. I've noticed a trend in the daytime television with... Judge Judy and Judge Brown and Judge Joe and Judge John and Judge Bill and Judge William and Judge Ronald. There's like 300 Judge, judge shows. In the you know, Judge Judy, I think, makes $45 million a year. $45 million a year? Yeah. Wow. I don't know a single judge that makes that other than her. No, judges usually make about, I think it's 175 or 180 or so, I think. Yeah, around there, 180 a year. I mean, depending on what type of judge you are, if you're Supreme Court justice, it's different than if you're a traffic court commissioner in Santa Clara. Sad, sad you. Uh, hopefully they don't listen to that. Forty-five million. Forty-five million. I can't to be stand a judge. those shows. Well, here, listen. Let, let's just let me dispel what happens with these shows. For Judge Judy, for Judge Joe Brown, Judge Mills Lane, who else? The People's Court. What happens is they they have producers that go to different counties, and they look at small claims cases, and they see which ones are the most entertaining because it's public record. And they will contact both sides in a small claims case. Are you familiar with this? Yes. They'll contact yeah. both sides, say, listen, we'll fly you out. We will pay for whatever. Whatever accommodations you need. And whatever. Um, the verdict will also pay for the verdict. Yeah. So you'll just be there. And see, people don't know that. When people go into Judge Judy, the verdict's already paid for. 
They're just there to argue and just make it a show. Yeah, they want to be right. <laughs> you know, people still want to be right, even though money's not involved. And you know, Judge Judy wants entertaining people to be there. And it's, she's doing a very good job. They are real cases. It is a real courtroom, you know, but she, she's typically to it's Judge Wapner. Really? Yeah, People's Court. She, yeah, Judge Judy Scheinlin, I think is her last name. But she's she's married to Judge Wapner from uh, People's Court. People's Court, yeah, back yeah. in the eighties. Yeah. Huh. Right on. I think. Oh, let me fact check that. Oh, another effect that CSI has had. We'll, we'll leave Judge Judy in the dust and and move on. Is in academia, you know, CSI effect has really changed how you can become an investigator, how to do crime scene investigation. I'm sure if you're home during the day, you can see there's all kinds of different colleges, DeVry and, uh, I don't know, Heald and all these different colleges saying, hey, come on in and we'll teach you crime scene investigation. Well, in the past, that used to be enough. An associate's degree would be enough. You can then become a police officer and work your way up to investigator. Right. Not a problem. Now, they're much more stringent in which investigators they hire at most police agencies and different offices. So an undergraduate degree is just a start. That's a bachelor's degree. It's just a start. A master's degree also does help. In fact, um, there are specific programs. In 2004, the forensic program at Florida University and UC Davis doubled in size. And we don't know if that's the CSI effect. I would 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 guess that it is. Yeah. And, you know. See, that's the thing. I mean, it doubled, but... Hiring isn't really doubling for those. No, and so now there's so many people that want to be forensic experts and work at crime labs. So that's why I think a master's degree is really necessary now because everybody has an undergrad degree in that area. I mean, UC Davis has doubled in their admissions for forensic programs. Just going back to the law and order effect. Yeah. I love love when a defense attorney hands a folded piece of paper to the DA and says, when they open it up, they're like, oh, it's a motion to dismiss, and the DA is visibly scared. Like, yeah. Oh. oh, no, I've never seen a motion to I dismiss before. A motion to... A 1538.5? What is that? What is that? Whoa! Pressing the evidence, and then, they, and then I love how it's like, in the next episode, it's, oh, it's in judges' chambers, and then they, they're arguing... And the DA says something, and the defense attorney says, I object. I'm just thinking, <laughs> you don't object you in don't, chambers. You're in chambers. <laughs> it's like, Bob, I object to you. And I've seen court reporters in those, too, that they're in the chambers. Like, what? Like, what? What, what, what are, are you, you doing? Like, grown two heads. They don't even have court reporters and, in half the courtrooms. Right. And the judge, you, and then the judge grants in favor of the defense attorney. That doesn't happen that much. When I hand, first of all, you're not handing a dismissal or a suppression motion to a DA. You're going to a court clerk. Yeah, you then file it with the clerk. you're the DA secretary after you got a bunch of copies stamped from the court clerk. Yes. I love how dramatic. I just saw an episode of, of Special Victims Unit or whatever. I don't, I don't watch them. My wife loves them, so sometimes I'm forced to sit down and pretend that I'm interested. But I just saw one where they're doing a motion to suppress hearing, and the dramatics at the motion to suppress were just astonishing he would you know walk up and show a paper like do you recognize this what about this Uh, there's no jury it's a 1538.5 motion to suppress that's in front of a judge there is no reason to be dramatic like that there's no reason to act like that 
they do it for television and you know they put a jury over on the box there's no jury for a motion to suppress that is done as a, in limine before trial even occurs but i love how dramatic they are and how active they are and they walk over to a jury for a motion to oh, suppress you know what? she she wasn't she's was married to um justice jerry Scheinland. he lied not judge wapner she took over from judge wapner okay we fact checked it though fact we fact checked judith Scheinland. we fact Shen- checked Shen- it how do i pronounce that Scheinland. Scheinland. that sounds cool so yeah. yeah back to judge judy and Back again to CSI effect and what we have with the CSI effect. It's, you know, they're incredibly popular shows. People like them. I like watching them. They've just for laughs. They've really changed things, maybe for the better, maybe for the worst. Law enforcement always has these unrealistic demands on them now by citizens who, you know, they just had their car, you know, all four tires got slashed. And so now they want to have a camera and. All these yeah. ridiculous things. I, I've seen all kinds of clients thinking that they're going to get a, a video enhanced, and you can see how many moles were on their face. And it, you want to no. watch a good no movie though? Yeah, I do. What's your, I mean? What's your favorite law movie? Uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. Is it really? Yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's up there. It's got to be my favorite. Probably the most realistic uh, is My Cousin Vinny. Yeah, that's, I love that movie. It's it's incredibly realistic the way that they did the expert testimony in that case. Yeah, and the way the judge is very harsh but fair. The unrealistic part of it is is that attorney. Well, no, he made He's, one ob- <coughs> he made one objection uh, that should have been granted. It was overruled. That, yeah, but that, that happens. Be. That's that's life. Yeah, but still, we make objections all the time where it's granted, it's not granted, yeah, yeah. it's denied. A CSI. Law and Order, Judge Judy, uh, they're all, they changed popular culture, they changed the way we think, they changed the way that law enforcement has interacted with people, and the way defense attorneys are portrayed. Everyone seems to think that we have some smoking gun that we can hide and there's all of a sudden bring out gun. at the end. Um, semen is not on everything. No, there's not semen everywhere. Uh, what else? If it was, well, well, I don't know. I don't even want to think yeah, about that. Yeah, I don't want to think about semen everywhere. That's about it. How do you end a podcast with that? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how I, I decided to end it with semen. We oh got... Oh, my lord. What do we have here? I'm looking for a joke we can end on. Just a really terrible lawyer joke. That's a terrible CSI lawyer joke. Lawyer joke, joke. the podcast. Podcast. Um, yeah, I have nothing more to say about CSI. I, I like it because it helps juries... Uh, Prosecutors seem to dislike it because juries have these unrealistic expectations. Police officers seem to hate it because now their job is significantly tougher. But, you know, I I really think it is a realistic um, sense of... Talking to the microphone. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I think the juries, when they watch CSI, I think they have a realistic understanding of what the burden of proof is. It's just my opinion. Hmm. I can't find a lawyer joke. No. The iPhone. Shout out to the iPhone. Shout out to AT and T for being horrible. You have Verizon though, huh? Yeah, Verizon's great. Well, at least it works here. Yeah, Verizon works. That's all. CSI. Uh. Definitely patronize us. EastBayAttorney.com, BobMortland.com. Um, you need any questions? You need to be represented. Personal injury, family law, criminal defense. 
estate planning and probate. Spongements. Spongements and traffic citations. Juvenile. Traffic. Juvenile. Yeah. Let me get your traffic case dismissed. Send it to me. See you next week.